Welcome to the show Unburden Your Health. This show brings experts and insights on what really works when it comes to improving health and well-being. If you find someone saying what did you say or can you turn up the volume of the music or somebody is thinking that everyone mumbles more than you know they used to they may be among the many people in the world who are experiencing some kind of trouble with their hearing it is a general perception that most of these people are senior citizens however it is not true while the extent of hearing impairment in any community is hard to measure since much of it is underreported experts agree that figures worldwide are on the rise according to who more than 400 million people or approximately 5% of the world's population suffer from some form of hearing loss and it is estimated over the next 30 years this number will actually double to throw more light on this topic i have called on dr samir bhargav as the guest for my show welcome dr samir thank you thank you for being here uh, dr samir is a leading ent specialist and currently a professor at hbt medical college and rn cooper hospital in mumbai currently he is also the national president of the association of otolaryngologists of india so i know dr samir that uh, there is a huge legacy in your family in the field of ent and uh, your father has written the book that all medical students read during their mbbs curriculum so was that the main reason for you to take up ent uh, you know how i tell most people is why my daughter has taken pathology is because while most people learn abc she has learned cbc so was there an influence like that because of that for you to take up ent yeah you can say that uh, that there was a huge influence uh, which i had at home so i am the second generation ent surgeon and as i was growing which means when i joined medical college at km hospital uh, when when i started doing my ent post uh, your anatomy that really fascinated me and it still right. continues to be an enigma and it's just an amazing creation and trying to understand how this whole thing works got me more and more interested and around that time you know, was the time when my father had started writing the text of that book and there were n number of times that i was actually proofreading so i was right. learning as i was just proofreading and wow. then finally i would say that uh, because ent caters to three of the five senses uh, i realized that i could reach out to more number of people so i i guess all these put together was what made me uh, decide that i need that i want to pursue ent as my uh, career and uh, no we are so we are so lucky and fortunate that you took that decision and you know how you have sort of just taken the practice of ent to the next level not just within the city of mumbai but across the country so thank you again for making that choice for us so let me straight away get into the topic you know uh, i have seen my father uh, who is you know 86 years old uh, wearing a hearing aid uh, for maybe the last at least 30 years 
and that is sort of one of the reasons that intrigued me about this whole topic of deafness uh, so just wanted to understand from you in your ENT practice. So Dr. Samir, uh, what is the percentage of patients that walk into your OPD, either in your private clinic or in the hospitals that come with the primary complaint of a hearing loss? So if one is practicing uh, purely otology, then the percentage of course would be very high. But in a general OPD, I would say about 10% uh, of the patients who come in would be coming in with uh, complaints that they cannot hear well. Although as far right. as otology is concerned, it's not only about uh, hearing, but it's also about uh, discharge from the ear or pain in the ear. And instantly, these patients would be having some degree of uh, hearing loss, which uh, once we examine the patient and, and on inquiry, uh, we would come to know. But yeah, if they come with only a complaint of hearing loss, I would say less than 10% of the people. Right, because uh, you know it's often said that uh, blindness can be seen, but hearing loss is not so easily perceived, uh, especially at the younger age group. So is that one of the commonest uh, reasons why perhaps it's underreported or not as picked up because it's not as obvious as maybe some of the other conditions are? Uh, absolutely. Uh, what happens is that, uh, you know, if, if a patient has a problem with their vision and their sight, they would actually stumble and, you know, people would point out to them. Whereas if it's a hearing issue, quite often people take it rather lightly. And if, uh, you know, you come to know that someone is, is hearing impaired, quite often uh, it's, it's a subject of, you know, uh, ridicule and, and people are a little wary of actually going to the uh, ENT surgeon and then actually getting their hearing tested, particularly even senior citizens. You know, quite often I have right. people coming and saying, oh, doc, I'm not, you know, an 80-year-old walking in and saying, doc, I'm not that old to wear a hearing aid. So we, we still right. have that, you know, social, uh, stigma kind of a thing as regards uh, wearing of hearing aids or getting their hearing tested. But yes, in the last few sure. years, uh, most of the health checkups do include an audiometry, which is able to detect any kind of a hearing loss. Sure, sure. So, um, uh, is there a way to categorize the difference between hearing loss and deafness by the amount of uh, hearing loss in terms of what decibels? Is, is there a grade that we have from hearing loss to complete deafness? Yes, so whenever we measure the intensity of sound, then that's measured in decibels. And this is named after Alexander Graham Bell, the inventor of the telephone. And depending right. upon the degree of hearing loss, we uh, categorize it as mild or moderate, moderately severe or severe. So if the normal hearing is less than a 20 decibels, so anything between uh, 25 to 40 decibels is labeled as a mild. If I put it in percentage wise, it would probably be about 15 to 20%. Uh, then comes the right. moderate uh, degree, which is uh, 41 to about 55 decibels. Then we have a moderately severe and a severe category. The moment it goes beyond 70 decibels of sound, we label that as severe. And if a patient is just not able to hear anything, then that goes into a profound hearing loss category. And why it's important to categorize okay. is because anything from mild to moderate or moderately severe uh, can uh, be tackled very effectively with whether medication or surgery or some kind of uh, simple 
simple hearing devices. But the moment it goes to right. a much more severe, uh, profound category, these patients would require a very high-powered uh, assistive devices or some may need some kind of surgery like a cochlear implant. Sure, sure. Yeah, I think that's a very interesting point that you made, uh, Dr. Samir, that uh, I was reading a statistic somewhere that almost 80% of hearing loss or deafness cases can be you know, tackled or there is some intervention that can be done to actually reverse is that is that a is that an accurate assessment yeah more or less i think that would be quite uh, appropriate to say because a lot of uh, hearing loss is actually preventable and that's something that needs a huge amount of awareness and almost i would say 50% right. and of the 50% that are not preventable uh, there are a large number which we can correct as i said either with the help of medication or some kind of a surgical uh, intervention or assistive devices and and over the last uh, few years we've had very good uh, you know hearing aids and assistive devices which can help most of our patients sure so just to maybe further deep dive onto that does that mean that hearing losses you know temporary and permanent or something that can be reversed and cannot be reversed and maybe you could just categorize that for us yeah so there are one category of uh, of hearing loss that we can label as uh, temporary which means that there is something that we can uh, do about that uh, in in whatever form of treatment and some which are permanent so most of, if so if i divide hearing loss into uh, uh, three parts, you know, so the sound that is coming in is going on to your eardrum or the tympanic membrane as we would call that uh, uh, scientifically and then going and vibrating the hearing bones or the ossicles and then going on to the nerves. So anything that is in the vicinity of the eardrum or in the middle ear as regards the hearing bones those generally if there's a problem that would be some kind of a temporary hearing issues which can be corrected very effectively but the moment you land up with a problem at the level of the nerves what we label as a sensory neural hearing loss those are the ones if right. once it happens <clears throat> most of the time that would be a permanent hearing loss and that uh, would require most of the time some kind of uh, devices like hearing aids or certain surgeries like implants okay okay understood and uh, in your practice or in your experience of so many years uh, what would be the top causes for hearing loss and deafness you know in in your experience so once again if we categorize as conductive which is conducting the sound from the exterior onto the eardrum going onto the hearing bones and going up to the nerve uh, I would say wax and in the monsoon fungus is a very common cause of uh, a hearing loss, but of course a mild hearing loss. By far one of the okay. commonest causes being infection, middle ear infection. So your common cold can land up in your middle ear and lead to fluid collection which can impair the sound waves. They can land, if the infection is very severe, you may land up with a uh, perforation which is a rupturing of the eardrum because of that infection and sometimes the hearing bones right. can get affected there are conditions which can cause significant damage to the hearing bones and the surrounding bone and can actually be life-threatening which is a condition called cholestatoma so in our in third world countries we find that to be a fairly common cause for uh, hearing loss uh, there are certain other uh, bony uh, abnormalities that can also be uh, significant in certain communities. 
but the by far the okay. most common hearing losses i would say are the nerve uh, deafness and as age progresses you see a lot of people developing hearing loss which is labeled as press by acusis uh nowadays uh, right. we have uh, we have a, a, another problem that is cropping up in a major way and which is noise pollution so noise induced hearing loss is a, a major problem with a uh, lot of people uh, you know exposed to not only uh, sound excessive volume at their workplace but for recreational purposes we have so many people wearing head device headphones etc and this in the years to come will become right. a significant cause for for hearing loss so noise induced hearing loss is something that is growing by the day and something that we need more awareness to try and you know uh, prevent this particular problem from happening so even even then the use of mobile phones i guess would be part of that category uh yes to some extent if the duration of exposure is is very prolonged uh, then the uh, radiation that comes out of these uh, cell phones can be detrimental to uh, the sensitive nerves but more importantly it would be when people are using uh, their uh, you know for their their cell phones to listen to music and loud uh, music uh, if we find loud we music. find so many people crossing the roads nowadays you know with headphones and uh, listening to music from right. their uh, tele from their cell phones which is a, a risk and a hazard by itself so uh, besides the the hearing loss that it can cause it can lead to accidents as well absolutely absolutely so i mean just just uh, maybe you know side stepping a little bit have you seen more cases in the last 18 months because of this whole work from home and people you know maybe you know sitting on their laptops with headphones uh, you know and not being able to meet in person so the use of uh, digital devices has in, has that impacted or influenced maybe uh, more cases of hearing loss so this is always a very gradual process you know unless one has got exposed to a very high decibel sound like you know an exposure to a loud speaker or a cracker where you can get an instant hearing loss which in some cases can be temporary quite often can be even permanent but as far as using yeah sure. so when people are using uh, these listening uh, devices uh, over a period of time so in in probably a few years we will come to uh, you know realize that yes all this did lead to a little increase in uh, the noise induced hearing loss but not in a year year and a half uh, so we'll have to wait for that but yeah definitely uh, we will okay. find some kind of an impact that has taken place because of uh, use of these listening devices Sure, sure. And, and a word of caution, particularly for the younger generation, because you know when you go out to a party and you know people have not uh, uh, met people and have not partied, and and then uh, uh, they would want to go out kind of with a vengeance. And once you go to these uh, areas where there is such high volume sound, uh, that uh, those are the places right. where they will land up with hearing loss. And and one one very peculiar thing about uh, exposure to loud sounds is also. one entity and a problem called tinnitus and tinnitus is a, a ringing sound in the ear which lot of people who have hearing right. loss also complain about correct correct and i think uh, uh, tinnitus can be extremely bothersome whereas hearing loss may not be you know at least in to the individual may not be that bothersome by themselves but tinnitus or that buzzing sound or that sound like a bee in yes. your ear can be very very 
bothersome to people on a continuous basis. Absolutely. It can be, uh, you know, quite uh, uh, something uh, which bothers the patient to to that extent that even, you know, you have patients who even uh, have suicidal tendencies if they get this uh, very loud and people who have got depressed because of that. So that is something that we need to be uh, concerned about. Concerned about, absolutely. So, you know, I want to just touch upon first the uh, adult hearing loss and then we will come to, I know your favorite or area of interest is deafness in children. But before we go to that, uh, you mentioned that as people age, you know, they uh, witness hearing loss. So I have two questions on that. One is what is the underlying cause and is there a way to prevent that? Uh, Second, is that, is that known to run in families that, you know, if, if, for example, if my father has that kind of, you know, hearing loss, am I also prone to getting it or some of his brothers have it? So is it something in the family? So two parts to that question. How does it develop in adults? Is there something that can be done to prevent it? And is there a familial, is there a familial tendency to it? Right. To answer your second question first, yes, definitely there is a genetic and hereditary component as far as age-related hearing loss or press biocusis is concerned. So quite often you find that, you know, uh, if, if the uh, father or grandfather in uh, the family has a hearing loss, uh, quite often you find that uh, the younger generation also as they grow older develop this problem. So there is definitely a genetic bias to this whole thing. But there are always uh, very many moving parts to uh, any particular problem. So it also depends upon the amount of uh, noise exposure that one has had, what kind of uh, circulatory and cardiovascular uh, issues one has. So if patients are diabetic, then they there is a higher predisposition towards hearing loss uh, developing. If their cholesterol is higher, again, uh, these patients uh, land up with uh, hearing loss uh, far earlier. But uh, definitely, uh, okay. hereditary genetics has a huge role to play as far as uh, uh, hearing loss is concerned. So basically, it's more induced by lifestyle disorders or, you know, it's not something that can be really done other than controlling your lifestyle. Is there anything else that can be done to prevent um, the you know progression of, of hearing loss as one yeah, ages? Unfortunately, uh, no. So what's only in our hands is try and control your, your lifestyle and all the other parameters that uh, would keep you uh, fit and healthy. So just like your coronaries uh, need to be kept uh, in good shape, so also uh, you right. need to have your... Uh, auditory uh, vessels also in good shape so that you do not land up with uh, hearing loss at at uh, an early age right uh, uh, earlier on you mentioned about you know the role audiometry plays uh, with hearing loss for adults yes. uh, is there an age beyond which you think uh, audiometry should become like an annual habit or once in two years i mean any experience that you could share with uh, you know us yeah, so I, I would feel that uh, post 50, one should get the hearing checked uh, at least once in three years and post uh, the age of uh, 60, one should check it annually because if there is something right. that we can pick up early, then in that case, we can take some kind of uh, corrective measures because as as the saying goes that prevention is always better than cure. So if you can uh, detect it early, uh, I, I think uh, we can do at least something about it 
also not only detecting right. it early also the awareness because we find sometimes that patients uh, come so late and they are actually brought by their uh, their folks at home the relatives because with hearing loss what happens is that uh, the patient cannot understand the conversation and can hear something else so you land up with misunderstandings that can happen so it's it's very right. important that this be you know kind of uh, detected early so that we can uh, prevent these kinds of you know issues and misunderstandings uh, from coming up right okay and uh, you know uh, as you age or as an adult you are still able to pick up that you might be having some sort of hearing yes. loss or deafness whereas in children uh, you know especially with the newborns and i know that's a big area of concern uh, especially if you know not picked up in the first few years it may even affect their ability to speak and their language skills Absolutely. so and i know this is an area of uh, interest for you uh, so maybe you could you know share your thoughts on hearing loss in newborns and in children and what can we learn from your experience yeah so that's a very important point that you have brought out uh, dr sanjay because uh, it's very important that uh, every child who is uh, you know before they leave the hospital should get the hearing tested so we can test the hearing of uh, even a one day old child and detect whether there is a hearing issue or not so these are very sophisticated but very simple uh, hearing test and and uh, which can be done in a matter of uh, just a few seconds and if we are able okay. to detect that uh, so so the simplest test is what is known as an auto acoustic emissions and uh, if you check the child uh, before the child is discharged from the hospital uh, and if you find right. that there is a problem then you can deep dive into finding out what exactly is the problem and then uh, uh, once the problem is detected then it can be also rectified in most cases or of course some kind of rehabilitation but if we do right. not detect these children with hearing losses uh, and if it is very late in the day these children will not develop good speech because we all know that uh, to be able to speak well you need to have a good hearing and <clears throat> if the child normally would start speaking at the age of say 8 or 9 or 10 months and uh, and and if the patient has a significant hearing impairment then these children right. will get detected uh, by the time they are ready to go to school so uh, for these statistics i would like to share with you that one out of uh, uh, one to three out of every 1000 live births would have some kind of a significant hearing problem and in india alone we have okay. 1 lakh children who are born severely hearing impaired and if they they do not get uh, something done early enough they cannot develop speech and if they can't develop speech they can't go to school so you know uh, not only is right. the schooling affected their uh, further future employment is affected and they get dependent on their uh, parents and their family for you know uh, everything so it's very important that we detect these children early and a simple test is what it all takes and this is something as you mentioned very you, close to my heart because as uh, president of the ent association uh, this year we are trying to uh, convince our government to make uh, newborn hearing screening and checkups mandatory so that we do not miss out on any child okay. uh, who is you know born hearing impaired right and you mentioned that uh, while the test is simple it's uh, maybe the equipment is a little 
uh, complex but you know is it available at all hospitals or are there any dedicated centers that you know offer this facility today no, so it is available at uh, most of the uh, hospitals including the public hospitals uh, the, this i would say speak about say mumbai but it's not available right. at many many cities uh, in our country and uh, not available at uh, uh, the level of the villages and the towns so this is actually going to be our endeavor to try and and get this available at every at least a tertiary care center so that uh, you know more and more children can be uh, tested and if a problem is there then detect that yeah you also mentioned that if detected early uh, there is an opportunity for it to be corrected so you know uh, what should be your advice to parents uh, one is first get uh, their child uh, tested before they get discharged from the hospital but suppose they do find out that there is a hearing loss uh, what should be your advice to them yeah so as i mentioned that it's a very simple test uh, <clears throat> which can be done in the first couple of days of life it's called an oae and if the so so the result is either a pass or a refer so if there is uh, we do not get the test right then we check this child again after a few days and if there is a doubt that there is a hearing problem then we do another a little more sophisticated test called a bera so which confirms whether the there is a problem or no and once that is confirmed okay. uh, we also grade the degree of hearing loss so uh, there are various uh, types of audiometries which not only tell us what is the nature of the hearing loss so qualitatively but also the degree of hearing loss so quantitatively so once we know that this is whether it is a mild problem or a moderate or a severe so the mild and moderate ones can often be uh, corrected as i mentioned by some kind of uh, uh, treatment in the form of surgeries or or medicines etc but the moment it goes beyond that then the child would need some kind of a hearing assistive device uh, in in the moderate to severe right. category even a very good hearing aid can help these children but if the loss is much more and if the child has a very severe hearing loss or a profound hearing loss as i mentioned earlier then these children right, would require right. a surgical intervention in the form of a cochlear implant and cochlear implant sure. is uh, probably the only uh, uh, implant and device which can replicate a sense organ so which can give back the child the uh, gift of hearing by doing this operation uh, it also requires a lot of uh, therapy post that so the surgery is is a means to providing a, a kind of uh, a device that will carry the sound from the outside to the hearing nerve and then we rehabilitate this child with therapy for the next 2 to 2 and a half years and these children do amazingly well they it, if you see a child right. who has been implanted early so before the age of 3 is right. the ideal age but even up to the age of 5 5 and a half 6 so if the child has been implanted early before 3 the child can go to a normal school you will not be able to make out the difference that this child is hearing impaired in both ears so that's the amazing part right. of this technology so that's why i would implore wow. everybody who is you know uh, listening to this podcast and their friends and family to to make sure and encourage every child to be hearing tested at birth wonderful wonderful this is very encouraging feedback and just to take off on this cochlear implant you know that uh, is that a device largely restricted for children or it can also be used in adults 
So if you look at the statistics in India, uh, we have 95% of uh, patients who are uh, implanted with a cochlear implant being children. And most of these, uh, unfortunately, coming from lower socioeconomic uh, society, but still we have lots of uh, NGOs, etc. and the governments of various state governments also helping. But a very small percentage of patients that we operate are the adults and particularly uh, patients who belong to the geriatric age group. So if a hearing aid does not benefit a patient adequately, so you wear the best and the most powerful hearing aid and you still cannot hear well, these are the patients who are candidates for cochlear implants. And if you look towards the Western world, almost 60% uh, of the patients that uh, receive a cochlear implant are adults. So, uh, okay. uh, and, and this of okay. course goes to show how important uh, the Western world believes that hearing is. Whereas in our country, it tends to get ignored and uh, neglected. One of the... So there is still scope, yes. there is still scope in India that, you know, uh, uptake of cochlear implants in the, in the adult population definitely has an opportunity, uh, you know, for a higher uh, acceptance. Yes, definitely. So as the quality of life, uh, uh, you know, criteria and parameters keep improving. So, you know, what we were a few decades ago uh, and, and now there's a huge difference and people now only do not want that they should be uh, disease free, but they should also have a better quality of life. And that's where we find probably in the next few years, we'll have more and more, uh, you know, senior citizens coming forward and, and asking for a cochlear implant so that they can hear better. And, and hearing better so and communicating maybe, better. That's most important because if right, you cannot right. hear, you can't communicate. So that's why we need that, uh, you know, you should be able to communicate well. Right. So I'm just trying to, you know, maybe make a comparison that as, as uh, you know, the age... Uh, you know, of uh, senior citizens is increasing as the, the longevity is increasing. Uh, you know, the use of knee implants also has yes. gone up. Uh, almost similar to that, perhaps, you know, uh, they should look at uh, hearing loss and how uh, uh, a device like a cochlear implant can make a big difference in the quality of their life, not just, you know, from a physical, but also from a, uh, like, as you said, you know, social skills. Absolutely. We need to remember one thing that, uh, you know, it's always uh, vision loss and blindness that, uh, you know, seeks or, or rather not seeks, but gets a lot of uh, sympathy. But uh, there's a very famous uh, American uh, writer and activist, Helen Keller, who incidentally happened to be both uh, hearing as well as visually impaired. And what she had uh, to say about uh, when, you know, she was asked uh, uh, if you have to compare between these two uh, disabilities. So she said that uh, uh, blindness, uh, you know, keeps people away from things, but deafness keeps people away from people. And that's uh, the importance mm. of uh, hearing. And, sure. and that's where yeah, yeah, it makes a huge difference. No, no, I'm sure I, I'm sure with the kind of pioneering work you and your you know, fraternity is doing, and I hope this podcast can be of some help in that. Uh, I just wanted to you know, touch back on, you know, when we were in medical college, uh, we used to use simple devices like a tuning fork yes. uh, or you know, uh, rubbing hair uh, behind the ear uh, to check hearing loss. Are these still uh, simple tools that maybe, you know, the common uh, family physician can still put to use? Uh, because if you don't have access to audiometry, 
or as you mentioned, the kind of devices that are required for uh, newborns. Uh, but is there a, any utility of such devices in today's world? So most uh, hearing tests are uh, subjective, which means that you need the patient's response to tell you whether uh, you know they can hear the sound or no. So as far as the pediatric right. population is concerned, uh, you know none of these uh, or very young you know uh, children, uh, these uh, tests are, are are not a very good idea. Uh, but these tests are giving you rough idea. So if you just want a broad uh, idea about what kind of hearing loss is there. So in our OPDs, we continue to have tuning folks that tell us, you know, roughly how much would be the hearing loss or what is the kind of hearing loss, whether it is a conductive or a nerve deafness. But today is the era right. of precision and precision uh, we will come, we will get only if we do a proper hearing test, uh, which is with the help of a pure tone audiometry. And we have many other tests also, right. which can tell us very precisely as to, you know, where the problem is and what the degree of the problem is. So, yes, in your OPD, one can still do a tuning fork test. But yeah, if once you know that there is a problem, then you must go and get a proper audiometry done to determine the degree and uh, nature of the loss. Are there enough, uh, you know, technologists available who do good, good quality audiometry or is that an opportunity for us to build more paramedical staff in this field? Yes, definitely. There is an extreme shortage of uh, audiologists and uh, speech language uh, pathologists in our country. Uh, again, we find that uh, in the metros or in the tier one cities, you do have uh, uh, enough audiologists. But as you go down to the tier two or tier three cities, that there is uh, extreme shortage of uh, of audiologists and that's where uh, so so you you can uh, you need to have more probably uh, audiometry and audiology schools which will train these uh, right. uh, people so that we get uh, more and more uh, you know people going down to the villages and setting up uh, practice over there sure you know the my purpose of asking this question is because at suburban diagnostics we have a, a sister concern called us uh, Suburban College of Paramedical Education, mm -hmm. where we undertake paramedical training. Right. And uh, maybe this could be an input for the faculty of scope to look at audiology as an area, which is, you know, a big gap and how we could help fill that gap. So I think your input will be, you know, a, a useful uh, stimulus uh, for scope to look at this as a training program as well. I know, I mean, you know, across uh, the last few minutes, you know, we have been speaking, you did touch upon few of the treatment options and I know you mentioned about uh, uh, impacted wax being one of the commonest reasons uh, for uh, you know hearing loss or deafness. So maybe starting from how do we manage impacted wax uh, going all the way up to cochlear implants, what would be some of the modalities of intervention that can be looked at, uh, you know, which could be an encouraging uh, piece of advice for our listeners? Yeah, so uh, impacted wax is a, a very simple problem, uh, which means that uh, you need to make sure that uh, the wax becomes soft and then the uh, ENT surgeon can very easily, whether using a suction uh, a device or using uh, the conventional old syringe, can just flush out uh, the wax from the ears. And uh, this whole process is a very easy, simple and comfortable process. And even children can very easily uh, go through this. In fact, they enjoy because uh, the moment the ear is flushed, they get this uh, tickling feeling and, and they actually tell their parents right. that we want to come
come back every year to the doctor and get this done so uh, that is right. as i said the simplest of causes of mild hearing loss but we come across lot of patients particularly in india who because of uh, uh, upper respiratory infections land up with a problem uh, and and a collection of fluid in their uh, middle ear and finally if not controlled can perforate and rupture the eardrum so a lot of patients uh, in our country do need a repair of this eardrum a, a procedure a surgery that is known as a tympanoplasty and this can restore right. the hearing of the patient to almost i would say 95 or 97% so as the technology right. has improved over the years so you know newer and newer technology brings in newer and newer and better techniques so today we are able to give our patients a very good hearing when we are repairing the tympanic membrane or if there is any problem with the hearing bones the ossicles so we repair that a procedure known as ossicloplasty and uh, right. so so that is something that uh, has a, a great outcome there is one very peculiar condition where the smallest hearing uh, uh, bone of the body which is called the stapes uh, gets fixed and right. this is a, a condition again which has a little bit of a genetic uh, predilection and if we remove this uh, fixed bone and and replace it with an artificial implant uh, a procedure known as stepedotomy uh, these patients also can hear very well and it's like a dramatic uh, change in their entire uh, uh, their life within a few hours uh, after the procedure they are able to hear very well so this is another uh, surgical intervention that can help uh, improve the hearing of uh, the patients uh besides that i mentioned earlier that there are uh, you know ear disease is uh, always talked about in terms of just ear discharge or or hearing loss but there is a an entity called a cholestatoma which can sometimes be a bone destroying and can be sometimes uh, uh, right. dangerous so this is something where we also operate uh remove the disease make the ear safe so that the infection doesn't spread to the brain and at the same time try and ensure that the ear becomes dry and also becomes a hearing ear so once again we require to replace the drum and to replace some of the hearing uh, bones either using the patient's own ossicles or uh, something known as cartilage or using some artificial implants so as i mentioned that the right. technology has improved so much that we are now able to give far better uh, hearing results uh, to our patients and that's very encouraging very encouraging uh, you know it brought me to a thought that uh, is ear damage sometimes uh, you know self inflicted uh, because we see many people using uh, cotton you know those buds yes. Uh, to clean their ears or you know putting the sharp end of a pencil or a pen inside because they're getting some irritation uh, you know maybe some some do's and don'ts that you could share with people you know what they should do and what they should not do as well right that's a very important point that you have brought out because uh, uh, you know everybody wants to keep their house clean so they 
you know, would be, be mopping the floor every day, they also want to keep their ears clean. So you have uh, people using all kinds of, you know, earbuds or, or uh, keys and pencils and everything uh, to try and keep their ear clean. So we must remember that wax is a normal secretion of uh, uh, wax producing glands in the ear canal and they form practically only in the outer part of the ear canal. Every kind of intervention, whether it be in the form of a bud or any other device, tends to push it more and more inside. So I would uh, definitely recommend that you do not need to do any of all this because you actually land up pushing the wax inside uh, and landing up with a problem. Right. And uh, from time to time, we see patients who come, you know, with a perforated ruptured eardrum while they have been trying to clean uh, their ears. So that's something that right. uh, should should completely be avoided. And um, so if somebody does have an irritation, you know, are there uh, simple drops that can be used or should they come and see an ENT specialist to you know, get their ear cleaned and if they need to come, how often should they come? You know, somebody who's had a history of impacted wax because I believe the shape of the canal also defines the way the wax gets drained. Yes. So is there a frequency with which they should keep coming back or they should they can use, you know, simple drops to put in their yeah, ears? So the purpose of the drops is actually to soften the wax. So if it's a very small quantity of wax that's forming, probably uh, using the drops, uh, uh, these are uh, essentially oil-based drops, which will help soften and, and uh, you just wipe it with a thin cloth and, and that should be it. But there are people who have a significant tendency for wax formation. And as you rightly mentioned, depending upon the uh, structure of the ear canal, uh, if they have more uh, than normal, then they will land up getting blocked in the ear. And these patients quite often need to come uh, every year, once in a year or once in a couple of years to get their ears uh, unclogged. So uh, our favorite term for uh, blocking of the ear nowadays is lockdown of the year, uh, going, going with what is happening all <laughs> around uh, the country. Right, and, right, and, uh, right. So, so these patients, yes, will need to come back. Uh, so just as we've had multiple lockdowns, uh, these patients need to come probably once in a couple of years to get their ears uh, cleaned out so that they can no, so i am one of them dr samir <laughs> i am one of them i've had i've had interventions like where we have to inject uh, you know what we call flushing as mm -hmm. you mentioned with hot water and also you know the wax hook yes. uh, to take out uh, the wax so maybe i need to come and see you again for that uh, you know maybe i'll be able to hear it a little better after that <laughs> no but thank you for sharing these you know these some simple tips of do's and don'ts mm -hmm. um you know, I just wanted to touch upon this whole aspect of hearing aids. Uh, you know, I know that there are different types of hearing aids at uh, different uh, cost points, uh, ranging from few thousand rupees to few lakh rupees. Yes. Uh, so maybe you could just share some ideas about, you know, the whole how hearing aids have evolved and, you know, what's the right hearing aid for the right person? How does one decide? Is it only on cost or is it is there some other criteria also? I think some cosmetic reasons are also there. So your thoughts on hearing aids overall right so before i talk about hearing aids i would also like to highlight one another cause of hearing loss in children and which is uh, because of fluid getting collected behind the eardrum so a lot of children nowadays land up with uh, problems so you, you know we had tonsil issues in the past but now it's adenoids and these this is a lymphoid right. tissue at the back of the nose which actually blocks the eustachian tube which is the connecting link between the nose and the ear and these children uh, if 
treated, uh, you know, they can have almost uh, 30 to 40 percent of hearing loss and, and they can do poorly in school just because they have fluid collected behind the eardrum. And this can be also very right. simply treated with medication in a large number of cases or some very minor surgical procedures. So I thought I must highlight that because we are seeing more and more children nowadays coming with this uh, problem, what is known as a middle ear effusion. Uh, so coming okay. coming back to your question on hearing aids. So if you you know remember uh, maybe twenty years ago you had uh, patients coming with a box kind of a hearing aid which was in their pocket and then two wires uh, you know coming out of their right. pocket and and going into the ear. So these were the classical analog hearing aids and the commonest complaint that patients had that uh, doc uh, we can hear uh, certain sounds better but we can hear everything so loud and we just don't want to use this because what these analog hearing aids would do they would work just like amplifiers they would just magnify all kinds of sound and present that to the inner ear but the newer age okay. hearing aids and now it's the digital technology these are far superior. Right. So what, what a digital hearing aid uh, does is, of course, it's got a, a processor which will collect the sound, then amplify, convert it into digital signal, and then present it into the ear. And when you mentioned that, you know, the cost could be from a few thousand to even a few lakhs. So let me let me emphasize that hearing aids, uh, digital hearing aids can come from two channels going up to 30 and now even 35 and 40 channels. So when we talk about channels, okay. you need to look at them as filters. So if you have more channels, you have more filters, which will be filtering out all kind of unnecessary sounds and noises. So the more the number of channels, you get better quality and clarity of, of sound. And that's where the cost tends to okay. go up. Having said that, even the ones where you have a six or an eight channel in majority of the patients can give excellent hearing. But one should always okay. get a proper audiogram done and then match it with that, the hearing aid. We have patients who, you know, come and tell us that, uh, you know, I just bought this off the shelf, uh, uh, a hearing aid and I'm it's of no use. I just wasted uh, my money. Well, they never tested their hearing. So it's, if, if, you, if you just go and buy spectacles without checking your number, you're obviously not going to see well. So the same thing is with hearing aids. Right. You need to check your hearing and then uh, get a proper hearing fitting done. Extremely simply and nicely explained that if you need to get the right eyeglasses, you need to get your vision checked. Uh, similarly, if you need to get the right hearing aid, get your hearing checked. Extremely well put, I think. Simple and easy to understand. And, you know, I've seen that, I guess, uh, I've seen my father wearing different types of hearing aids. Uh, you know, the ones which are practically invisible now, yes. uh, almost hidden behind the ear and inside the ear. Uh, we have seen the evolution of hearing aids, as you mentioned, from the big box to digital. Uh, and I guess also it's become a little more affordable than what it was. Yes. Uh, do you see the same thing happening even with cochlear implants? I know uh, earlier on it used to be almost like a 10 lakh rupee surgery. Yeah. Uh, but I've read recently that the government of India is coming up with indigenous cochlear implants, which could be as less as a yes. lakh. So the way hearing aids have evolved, uh, do you see the same thing happening with cochlear implants? Yes, definitely. Uh, so at, at present, we have uh, cochlear implants that are uh, manufactured uh, uh, abroad and there are four companies who manufacture these. 
but the uh, indian government in association with uh, drdo is in the process of uh, you know coming out with indian cochlear implants in fact uh, the first uh, prototype is more or less ready and it is uh, you know kind of up for its uh, trials so in the years to come uh, it would definitely become more affordable for the patients and that's where we would i'm sure see more and more uh, people availing of uh, this uh, you know uh, wonderful uh, device that uh, uh, scientists have uh, created so in the so you're you're right that you know the cost today of the cochlear implant can range anything from about 5 5 1/2 lakhs to even up to 15 lakhs uh, again looking at okay. the basic ones are available for about 5 1/2 to 6 lakhs and these are the ones that uh, have lesser processing uh, uh, capability uh, but yes they are still good enough if we if we happen to detect the child at a right age uh, even these basic uh, implants can do wonders for the child yes if the if, sure. if you need more sophisticated there's then the cost can can go up but probably in the years to come we may have something that may be in the range of uh, a, a lakh or a lakh and a half and that's uh, i am looking forward to that day very very honestly no great so are we so are we uh, and just to maybe close the loop on cost uh, the average uh, hearing aid which you mentioned you know 6 to 8 channel yes. uh, how much would that cost in today's time yeah so that would probably be in the range of about uh, 35 40000 to about uh, 70 to 75000 the moment it goes okay. into you know uh, many higher channels so 16 and 18 and 20 that's where the cost would go beyond a lakh and is there a life for a hearing aid in the sense that do you need to keep upgrading that or do you need to change that in the future as your hearing def- if your hearing loss increases then is there a need for people to also you know trade it back for a better quality or a more powerful hearing aid uh, yeah so as age progresses uh, the hearing loss is going to increase but most of these uh, hearing aids are uh, digital technology and they can take care of at least about 20 to 25 or maybe even 30% of a drop in hearing that would happen over the next few years uh, these are electronic okay. uh, gadgets right so all electronic gadgets have a life and uh, on an average ballpark i would say a hearing aid should last you 4 to 5 years a good quality hearing aid uh, provided you take care okay. so when these are expensive devices we uh, must be careful about that which means make sure that you know you uh, maintain the utmost hygiene and obviously do not let it you know uh, fall into water or while you're taking a bath uh, so if you take the due care uh, i'm sure your hearing aid would last you a good 4 to 5 years before you need to think in terms of a replacement sure sure wonderful thank you and uh, you know just towards the end of our talk i wanted to ask uh, you know there will be some people who will uh, suffer from hearing loss uh, despite best efforts so uh, is there any you know intervention that is done to help people effectively communicate uh, with the deaf uh, is that a part of the ent uh fraternities uh, overall message that you know uh, there will be maybe 20% of people who may still have hearing loss or deafness uh, how do we communicate with them you know uh, is there some aspect that is being addressed out here 
yeah that's something that uh, you know we need to you know uh, highlight as well because uh, there are some patients who unfortunately uh, do not benefit with uh, everything that is possible in uh, today's world so we need to uh, try and make sure that we are able to you know make them comfortable that's the first thing so if you have someone with right. a hearing loss uh, you should not just start you know speaking loudly and shouting and trying to get your point across you must speak slowly you must speak clearly and not fast because then the sound tends to get garbled and they are not able to you know pick up uh, the sound yes you will need to speak a little loudly to them but not shout because the moment you start shouting then there is more distortion and these patients will not be able to hear uh, whatever you are saying the second thing that is very important is that if you whenever you need to communicate to them make sure that there is very little background noise because in a noisy environment they are able to hear even lesser so make sure that there is right. the noise level around them is is very very less and also uh, because you need to catch their attention it's a very good idea to just call them by their name or just tap them on the shoulder and then start the communication so their attention is is with you try to be standing in sit or sitting in front of the uh, patient so that uh, they can also look at you in good light so that their your lip movements also can be appreciated by these patients and then they will be able to right. you know hear you a little better also it's very important that we do not start having too many hand movements because that distracts these these patients so you know they are trying to focus and concentrate okay. on the sound at the same time they are looking at you and trying to look at your lip movements and if you have too many hand movements then this can you know become extremely uh, you know kind of distracting to them so these are very simple measures uh, so in in short right. i would say that you know you should uh, uh, you know uh, empathize with these patients express uh, your consideration and 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 courtesy because that's very important that you should not look at that you are doing them a favor by you know uh, uh, communicating with them but uh, you know uh, treat them as if uh, there is they are your family member and and treat them just like you would uh, your family member so these are very simple these measures these are such amazing tips yeah yeah such amazing tips dr samir in fact i can relate to so many of them with my father that you know we all tend to speak loudly to him and you said that's exactly what we should not be doing uh, but the other tips that you mentioned and also the fact that you know we should empathize and we should not get irritated uh, you know that why can't they hear so i think very very good tips that you have mentioned thank you so much for sharing them dr samir that, that was i think probably for me the highlight of the talk so far you know, thank you so much for sharing that you know the purpose of these podcasts dr samir is to you know create awareness and i hope we are able to create awareness on hearing loss on deafness and what can be done to reduce this burden i have a question for you uh, you know is there a area that you are trying to work on to unburden your own health this year or over the last 18 months have has is there been something that you are working on to unburden your own personal health yeah absolutely so i think uh, the lessons that one has learned from this uh, pandemic has been that you need to have good immunity to be able to you know combat any kind of uh, uh, infection and we find more and more uh, people are uh, becoming more and more aware of this that they need to be healthy they need to be fit so that they can live a better life a longer life a better quality of life so uh, what i have uh, you know uh, decided also is to uh, stay fit 
and one of the best measures to stay fit is to try and detect if you have an issue with your health and what better way is to just go to your nearby suburban diagnostic center and get a health checkup done <laughs> so 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 you get a health checkup done and if you find that there are problems then attack that tackle that and if you do not have a problem still go and exercise regularly so 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 the two take homes that i have in the last one and a half year is look after your health make sure that you can detect problems early and then try and prevent problems from happening by staying fit so this is this is Thank what you. i would like Thank to also you. tell all my uh, friends and and people who are uh, listening into this show i also want to share that uh, you know i've had the privilege and the good fortune of having an interaction both with uh, you dr samir and your son as well uh, you know i had a opportunity of chatting with him uh, on a different platform and now getting the opportunity of chatting with you so i guess this is the first time i've been able to do a father son interaction and i'm just completely thrilled once again you know thank you for your time thank you for these wonderful wonderful insights i'm sure uh, you know the message that you're trying to create uh, via this podcast we will try and promote this more aggressively so that more and more people get aware but thank you again for your time and please look after yourself and stay healthy stay safe thank you very much uh, dr sanjay and it was indeed a pleasure to have interacted and to try and help uh, you know uh, create awareness about uh, hearing loss so i would like to just end by saying uh, please don't be deaf for the deaf try to do everything that is possible to make their lives better wonderful thank you so much dr sanjay thank you And that's a wrap for our episode today. Thank you so much for listening. New episodes are out every alternate Tuesday. If you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe to our show. You can listen to our show on all major podcasting platforms like Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, and wherever you listen to your podcast from. If you are an Apple or an iOS user, you can share your ratings and reviews. on the apple podcast app if you have any questions related to health or would like to share your feedback you can reach me on my social media handles at dr sanjay arora on linkedin and facebook and dr_sanjay arora on instagram